Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read something out of an illustration. This is, a, this is the story about a young preacher. So this young man was, had a little small flock. And it was uh, just a few months in. He was, uh, one, one week he was repairing a message on the love of family members, but he couldn't find the introduction he wanted. He had read in the local newspaper that a well-known, experienced minister would be preaching in a nearby town that week. So, on Thursday, he decided to slip in the back of the church and listen to the pulpiteer. He thought for sure he might find inspiration for the introduction he needed. Amazingly, when the minister came to the pulpit, he, he said he wanted to speak on love. As a matter of fact, he said, the sweetest, most wonderful, loving woman I have ever held in my arms was another man's wife, and she was my mother. <laughs> oh, he had heard very little else, he thought. What a great introduction for my talk. I'll use that one. And of course, he was a little troubled because it was risky to use an introduction like that, especially since he had been at the church only a few months. Well, even though he was nervous, he stood up to preach, and his opening line was, the sweetest, most wonderful, loving woman I ever held in my arms was another man's wife. And the shock that came over the congregation caused him to have a mental block, and he added, for the life that of, of me, I can't remember who she was. <laughs> wow, that, that's a moment. That is, that'll preach. Wow, that'll get your attention. Wow. All the juicy stuff. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not a good illustration guy, so I need help. So, you know, I just, you know, thank you for the Christmas gift. Carrie, my wife. And so, you're just going to use that on me now. <laughs> okay, so... God is for us. Amen? Amen. God is for us. He's not a big bully up in the sky that's going to club you when you mess up. He'll discipline you. There's a difference between being clubbed, beaten. Slaves were beaten. His children were disciplined. Because he wants you to share his holiness. He wants you to share heaven. And so, we're in a text today. I'm kind of diving into 2 Corinthians 5. And I said last Sunday we finished 1 John. I'm just going to lead, let the Lord help me lead uh, from Sunday to Sunday for a while. Until he puts something on my heart. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that this is what God told me to preach. But I believe this, God, this text that God is going to help, led me to it, and I trust it will be a blessing to you. For some of us, we're in our season of life in winter, and some of us were in the spring of our life. Some of us are somewhere between. And that doesn't really matter. The fact is that this life, if you added up all the years of an entire life, <laughs> And an average lifespan, the Bible says we get 70, 80 if we're strong. That's kind of a 
kind of a promise from the Psalms. Some of us are way beyond that. That's a blessing. But if we were to find the oldest man on earth today that's living, and maybe it's 110, maybe it's 120, I don't know of anyone exceeding, you know, I don't, I don't know, have any names for you. We go back in biblical times, Old Testament, these guys lived hundreds, nine, eight, nine hundred. I can't, I don't understand all that. But even if they lived to be 900 years old, in comparison to all eternity, that is temporal. That is just but a moment in eternity. And so the text reads, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, we, have, we know that if the earthly tent which is ours, is torn down. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So what do you think of when you hear the, hear the word tent? You'll be, oh, camping. Oh, oh, it rained. I remember when the tent didn't hold. You know, you maybe have a story. Maybe your tent collapsed. Maybe your tent was set up and the water ran into the tent. How many of that? I... We are, yeah, the tents are made for people that are traveling, temporal. We are but pilgrims. And we learn in Genesis, Abraham was, uh, wandered for a long time, wandered this tent. You see, Paul is describing this life is but a season, a temporal thing. This body will not live forever, but good news, we get a new body. My relative, my cousin, has heard her say this lately, I'm looking forward to trading into this old body and for a new body. Hallelujah. See, that is the hope of the Christian. That is the hope of the believer. That is what Paul was describing when he said, though this body dies, yet we shall live. We, we are not people without hope. You are going to live forever with Christ. So, might as well get used to it. Might as well look forward to it. Might as well not get too attached to this world. So what if the van has 254,000 miles and rattles, duct tape or whatever, red tape over the back end? I'm referring to my sort of donating this van to Emily and so forth. It rattles, it shakes, chugs along. Got to do something about that taillight, though. Did I tell you the time we got stopped three times in one day? I believe it was two or three times. And one of the officers goes, you got stopped already. Just hadn't gotten around to it. That was the taillight thing. He said, well, here's what got me. The one officer said, well, at least put red tape over the thing. So that's what I did. There's nothing more permanent than a temporary fix. Right? Duct tape it. Wire it up. After all, we're not going to be here forever. We get caught up, man. Cross Lake, community, 
You go across our lakes, you see that some of the buildings, wow, are we going to live here forever now? But this Paul is referring to this, this flesh, this tabernacle, this body is temporal. While we're in it, the Bible describes to take care of it. It's just be careful what you do, putting stuff in your body that's not good for you. Not going to go there right now, okay? But you know what I mean. God wants to do the best with what we have. And God is gracious to us. And he raises us up. And he heals us. And he is able because he's created us. And Paul is describing that one day he's going to have a new body. And he's describing this, this longing in his soul to get, that, to get to that place. I'll read on. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling in, from heaven, inasmuch as we having put it on shall not be found naked. Oh, Job said that this was naked I've come from my womb, naked I shall return. We come into this world with nothing. We sang about it. We come into this world naked, nothing. And we leave with nothing. Why do we work so hard sometimes? I'm not against hard work. I'm a hard worker myself. I will admit that. I believe God honors your work. I believe in the principle, whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. But that never should take the place of my eternal perspective. That knowing this Building, whatever we're doing, this, putting things together is to only to fulfill the needs of someone or a person. The greatest need, and I would ask this question, what is the greatest need you have today? What is your greatest want? What should be? Our greatest desire. What needs to be our greatest desire. And we're going to look at this and discover Paul's attitude toward this life and the next life to come. And so we skip down. And this verse 7 is a short verse, but it is one of those verses that you can memorize in a split few seconds. Say it with me. For we walk by faith, not by sight. When I leave this place, I don't know if something could happen. We could be struck. Something could happen. But that doesn't stop me from going. We will never get anywhere in this life if we don't take risks. To a certain, not to be foolish. But God's kingdom is about faith. God's kingdom is about planting a seed and never knowing if you'll see something come back. Not, not sure, but the principle is there. Whatsoever a man soweth, he shall reap. And that can be good or bad. The good news is 
there's hope when we plant God's seeds. The bad news is when we plant our own selfish seeds, we get, we get that too. We get the weeds. We get the thorns. We have to live with stuff. And then with the help of God, we have to undo stuff. But by the grace of God, I love his, and the word comes later, the ministry of reconciliation. Have you ever restored something? An old car, an old beat-up throwaway, and you brought it back to its originality or its life, and you felt good about it. Cody, my son, loved the 67 Ford Ranger. And he was just 11th grade, becoming a senior. Dad, dad, there's this truck in the paper. I forget. They wanted like $1,000, something like that. And he talked me into it. And we drug it home. I said, now what are we going to do? Well, we got to find somebody to fix it, to do the body work, right? So several thousand dollars later, there comes this beautiful red truck, right? He loved that truck. In fact, he had me drive that truck to the cities when he got married. And that was his display. That's where they put the gifts. It was his idea. It was his dream. It was his treasure. It was just like, this is, this is what I want. But little by little, the rust underneath, you don't get it all. It's, if you replace the whole thing, maybe you'll get, get it all. But if you just grind off the surface and do a paint job, it won't be long. That paint will blister. And sure enough, that's happening. But it's a lesson. Nothing stays new. Nothing lasts. Its originality goes away surprisingly quickly. And so identify. Paul is saying this life is a dwelling. We are just passing through. We are not exempt from decay. But we don't dwell on that. We don't get caught up in what the world says. You've got to have this to be happy. You've got to earn this much money. Then you'll be successful. You know what? Whatever God has for you. He is your provider. We are not to get mixed up. I'm not against riches. I believe God can bless. I believe he wants to bless. You know what's really fun? When people understand you can't outgive God. And they're, they become a channel. They just keep giving it out. As it keeps coming in, they keep giving it out. They keep giving it away. You see, what our purpose in this life is not to see how much we can hoard, not to see how much, how many barns we can build, bigger barns to hold more so we can have more stuff. When I'm sensing that people get older in their life, they say, I need to get rid of this stuff. I need to 
What's the word? I need to get a dumpster. <laughs> right? What are we bringing this stuff all over the, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of one of those persons. I need to throw more stuff away. Listen. We walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know all the answers to your pain. The whys. I don't know why people have to suffer. I don't know why. I don't know why a righteous man, Job, who loved God and served God, and you know the story of Job. Don't confuse it with Job. Okay? Job, G-A-O-B, Job. That's in the Bible. He loved God. He, he brought the offerings. He did, he did what was right in his time. But God allowed suffering in his life. I don't know why God heals some people and doesn't heal someone else. But that doesn't keep me from believing that word faith, even though it doesn't make sense, even though I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go next year, even though I'm not sure where the next job is, I believe God is faithful. You may not understand how you're going to get there, but you're going by faith. And so Paul said, we're a good courage. What is he saying? If God takes me home today, I'm fine with it. Therefore, verse 9, we have as an ambition, ambition, I like that word. What's your ambition? What motivates you? What gets you up? What makes your clock click? What waxes your wick? I'm just throwing things out here. <laughs> You know, at home or absent. What are you saying? Well, if I'm here in the body, if I'm here in this world, I'm fine with that. But if I'm absent, if I go to be with the Lord, and it says to be absent, it's to be present with the Lord. So whatever, whatever God wants to be pleasing. And I want, the, I want that to etch in, sink in. My attitude either pleases God or not. Right? We learned about the illustration. Chuck Swindoll's said it, something to the effect that 10% or 90% is life. 90% happens. 10%. 90% is our attitude. Right? 10% is what happened to us. Got them mixed up. 10% is what happens to you. 90% is what your attitude is about it. My attitude. Well, then, how am I going to face? 
How am I going to explain? God is the judge. You know what's good about God? He connects with you. Even when people cast judgment, they look at you and they're not sure about you. God sees your heart. God looks in your heart and says, there's someone I can work with. There's someone I can fill. There's someone who I can build my church. I can use them. It's not what I can do, but what Christ can do through me. And the further I, un- the, the better I understand it's not about me, it's about Christ in me. When I take myself out of the picture and I remove my I, 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 it's His. It's His. I am His. We come down to the stretch in this passage. We're going to stand before God someday and give an account. He says that every deed, good or bad, is going to be brought before the Lord. The good news is, as I understand, Jesus removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Now, when it talks about the good deeds, it exposes, Paul gets into the fact that the judgment seat of the judgment seat of Christ is for rewards. So what you do as unto the Lord is going to be rewarded. And so if we do it with a bad attitude, what's going to happen? There's not going to be much reward for that. But he rewards your attitude. And you were thankful. You were doing it unto him. You were serving. You were looking out for, uh, you're looking out others. You were doing things for others, not just yourself. You were living with a purpose. You understood. You were coming into that place where Christ likeness. I came into this world not to be, uh, to be served, but to be a servant. And Christ acknowledges the servant as the greatest in the kingdom. We're not a competition. Our neighboring churches, God blesses them, we should rejoice with them. If our neighboring churches are struggling, we should go through the valley with them. We should be in prayer for our brothers and sisters across our community. And we go down through this verse, this verse after verse 12 says, We are not, again, commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us that you may have an answer for those who take Notice, pride in appearance. Oh, my goodness. Do we have a struggle in our culture? Well, it's all about how you look. Well, it's okay to look good. I'm not against it. But don't let that become the main thing. That's what he's saying. And not in heart. God is more interested in your, your heart. It's on the inside. Because I'll guarantee when your heart is right with God, you'll look better. Amen. 
You will be beautiful. You are beautiful. You are his creation. You are going to a place for all eternity. You're going to be made complete. Right now, we struggle with the flesh. We struggle with our weakness. We struggle with our self-esteem. We struggle, struggle, struggle. Man, I used to compare myself when I was going through college to every preacher that came to chapel. If I could only preach like, oh, if I, you know, maybe God could use me. I heard my dad say once, I just, he was just talking. I can't be anybody else but myself. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's the truth. Stop trying to be someone else. I just, there's security. Our confidence is not in herself, it's in Christ. If you're a stay-at-home person, you work your house, you do your things, you're a servant of God. If you're in the workplace for your family, you're burning the candle at both ends by the grace of God. You stay with the stuff. You stay faithful. You do what is unto the Lord. God... We reach the end of our life and we are spent. We are used up. I once heard a story of a missionary couple that served God all their life. And when they got to the end of their life, they could put every belonging in one suitcase, everything they owned. They went out with a triumph. They went out with a blaze. Wow. They were not attached. They were not held down. They were not bringing the stuff with them. We're not taking anything with us except people. Your purpose in this life is to love God. And he'll show you the next step. He'll show you with his compassion. He'll put your compassion. He'll put his heart in yours. Now you're, you're discovering this is the purpose of my life. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I'm made for, to be pleasing to him. It's all about Jesus. He loves you so much. He wants you to live with him forever. And I just encourage you, you get down into down dumps, so to speak, the press even speaks that in one of the books, the Corinth. He speaks to the depressed. It's not to be because you're a Christian. That doesn't mean you're never going to be depressed because we live in a body that is temporal, subject to things, setbacks. We have emotions. But all in all, we're going somewhere.